Hey, it's Tom. If you've ever dreamt of running away to paradise and putting your talents to work, doing something amazingly valuable for humans and the environment, who hasn't had that dream? You're gonna love this week's show. Our guest is Steve Sakala, who runs Mana Artisan Botanics. Steve and his crew make CBD oil with organic ingredients, including turmeric, passion flower, and honey, which they produce on their farm on the Big Island of Hawaii. I'm not gonna attempt the name of that farm. Stay tuned and you'll hear me mangle it in a few minutes. Um, Hawaiian names, right? Seriously though, Steve has got it going. He's a steward of the land and he's creating category-breaking CBD products that make a real difference for his customers. We're glad to have him as a guest. Enjoy the show. This is Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast, CBD, microdosing, and all things related to medical cannabis for baby boomers. From San Diego, here's your host, Thomas J. We're here on the Candy Boomers podcast with Steve Sakula of Mana Botanics in Hawaii. They make some great tinctures that are grown right there in on the How Now Now farm by Steve. Steve, how long have you been in this business? Well, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you, Tom. The, uh, the background is extensive. Uh, I've been working with Mana Botanics for a little over a year. We co-founded it with uh, some partners. Uh, but originally, I started Hawaii's first CBD business about four years ago. And I've been in the cannabis industry uh, in some form of another for about 20 years. I actually was fortunate enough to work uh, with Jack Herrera on the first uh, medical marijuana initiative and hemp initiative in 1992 while uh, growing up there in Southern California. And then again, uh, of course, we were more successful in 1996. So uh, I've been at it quite a while, uh, passionate about cannabis and hemp um, from a very early age. So you're referring to Prop 215 in California? Correct. And Jack Herrera, that's a legendary name. It, it, yeah, it was really a pleasure working with him. You know, he was um, a larger than life figure and uh, real jovial and positive. And so it was uh, really nice to be a part of those early stages there in California. So you really have a, a wealth of knowledge about cannabis, the plant and CBD in particular. Yeah, my, my passion in cannabis uh, led me to uh, discover CBD from a friend about eight years ago. Uh, of course, up until then, I was just on the medical side, dealing with THC and how it applied to a lot of the medical challenges um, and got turned on to CBD and started uh, really hybriding and creating new CBD varieties to see what kind of differences we could provide in, um, in product and in uh, results with clients. And uh, the, the results, as you can imagine, were amazing. And it just really fueled my passion. I got away from uh, working kind of with the THC side of things and really have ho- focused in on CBD and then about the last four years um, on the CBD hemp just because of its breadth of um, you know opportunity working outside of the kind of regulatory market uh, that is uh, the dispensaries and whatnot and really providing a much more access. There's a lot of providers of CBD and you don't always know what you're getting, but you guys actually grow your own? Well, you know, Hawaii's just starting to adapt uh, its hemp policies. And so uh, we actually bring in a majority of our extract from Colorado from um, some folks that we know there and have a really nice relationship with. They were grandfathered in as one of the original organic certified farms. And so it's um, it's one of the best es- extracts I've come across, and I've been to some of the w- world's largest hemp gatherings. So we use a majority of that. Uh, I do grow a little bit of the CBD hemp to put into the tinctures here on island, uh, but the majority of the extract comes from Colorado. We, we're, we're hoping to source... Almost all of our CBD within the year from Hawaii, Uh, the first hemp grows are happening, uh, but uh, the CBD varieties are not um, 
authorized yet by the Hawaii Department of Agriculture. So the hemp that's being grown at the moment, outside of some of the research stuff that we're working on, is um, just for seed and fiber. So we're hoping to have a CBD variety authorized uh, in the next few months and then being able to source that within the year. So does that require working with legislators and how do you make that happen? Yeah, good question. Um, Two of my partners, I was uh, really active in the Hawaii Farmers Union United, and that gave us a really great platform to work with legislators uh, here at the state level. And so we've had some really great champions over the years, uh, Cynthia Thielen, and more recently, Mike Gabbard, who's uh, Tulsi Gabbard's dad, our representative there at the federal level. So Mike Gabbard's a senator at the state level, and he really ushered through the hemp bill two years ago. So we've been working very closely with him, and now uh, very closely with our chair of uh, agriculture, Scott Enright, who's very much a supporter. And, you know, there's been some, some obstacles, of course, finding varieties that are adaptable to the short photo period here in Hawaii for a CBD variety has been tricky. Um, so we're still very much in the research stages. One of my other companies, Green Hawaii Genetics, has the um, one of the three contracts to do the research and acclimatization studies for the hemp with the HDOA. So, you know, we're, we're plugging along, but uh, we had hoped for a little bit more progress from where we're at now, but uh, we're, we're hopeful that we'll have a variety that does really well in Hawaii uh, in the very near future. Yeah, it's such a verdant sort of environment there. Things kind of grow like crazy, don't they? They do. They do. The challenge with cannabis is because we're, uh, you know, closer to the equator than most latitudes there in North America or Europe is that uh, our days are quite short. And so we don't get the long days to keep the plants in vegetative states. So they want to go to flower very early. And, uh, you know, in, in the medical world, we add additional lighting to keep them in veg. Uh, that's not really ideal on a large scale when you're looking at, you know, doing a tractor farming operation with hemp. So um, we've tried to experiment with some of these varieties to see if they would stay in vegetative state under uh, normal photo period uh, here in Hawaii, and they have not, except for a few uh, outliers. So that's our challenge in, in doing larger production of CBD hemp in Hawaii at the moment. Uh, but the regulatory market uh, here is uh, starting to step into the ability to do that. It's just now kind of honing in to see if we can get some varieties or developed varieties that will work with us. Sure. Whereas in the north, you would have one growing season. Maybe you could have multiple crop, multiple harvests in a year. Absolutely. There's definitely that potential. I mean, that's the reason why some of the big ag companies um, like the big bad boys, Monsanto and Syngenta and Pioneer are all here uh, in Hawaii because really when you're doing seed and genetic development, when you can pull off three crops in a year, you're, you know, you're speeding that, uh, that potential up so much. Uh, and that is certainly the case with hemp. But again, if you can't figure out the photo period, then you would be working with some artificial lighting and some manipulation of those photo periods which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. It just means it's a bit more involved. Right. I know you are heavily involved in regenerative agriculture as well. Can you speak to that? Yeah. You know, I, I come from the agriculture side, even though I've been in cannabis for so, so long. Um, my passion is really the diversity of agriculture and its potential, um, you know, not just here in Hawaii, but uh, worldwide to be a demonstration of our sustainability. And uh, I studied natural resources in Humboldt and really had a passion for anything sustainable. Uh, and after college and graduating, I took four years off to go uh, volunteer and do Peace Corps in West Africa. Oh, wow. And really my time there in a subsistence culture, I lived in a mud hut, grass roof, fetched my own water, and of course, no electricity. Um, I realized that even though I had this really great interest in sustainability, agriculture is the foundation of all culture. 
And until we get our agriculture models to a sustainable um, level, then we're really spinning our wheels as a race. Uh, and um, so coming back from West Africa, I really dedicated my energy and my passion towards uh, creating and demonstrating sustainable ag models. And more recently, I've realized that um, sustainable isn't enough. You know, we don't, you know, the root word is just sustain. And with our growing population and our, and our food challenges, uh, we really have to begin to think about how we not just sustain, but take it to the next step, step to regenerate our soils. And therefore, you know, the term regenerative agriculture, I'm not looking to really just sustain or be sustainable. I'm looking to leave uh, the areas where I'm able to farm and, and put my energy into better than the way I found it. So that means composting and uh, mulching and adding carbon back in. Of course, there's multiple benefits uh, to regenerative agriculture, both at the climate level, at the agriculture and production level. And then, of course, um, if we look at our trajectory as a human species, hopefully that puts us back on the right track. And hemp is sort of uniquely suited to that. I mean, we've heard that hemp can pull toxins out of the ground. And does it help in those terms? Absolutely. That's really where hemp has... Uh, so much potential. I mean, if we move away from looking at it as a medicinal crop to a, a phytoremediator, uh, hemp has this tremendous potential to be uh, a part of a regenerative agriculture system. Um, that's an important distinction for your listeners, though, and anybody that might come across this is, you know, when you're sourcing a hemp-based product, you really want to make sure you know where that is coming from. You want, you know, it's kind of like the food uh, that you're passionate about, um, and that is the closer you the closer you can get to your farmer most likely you're better able to discern the quality of the hemp and the quality of your medicinal products. And, and so that goes back to the phytoremediation. Um, because hemp pulls out heavy metals out of the soil and toxins out of the soil, you, you really want to make sure that you're sourcing organic CBD extract or organic whole spectrum extract. And this crosses over to the THC world too. I mean, um, you know, unfortunately, I think the cannabis industry is perceived as a green industry. And in my experience, it's not. It's, um, you know, heavy use of agricultural chemicals and pesticides and fungicides due to the, you know, challenges of growing a high-grade plant. And that's not really ideal for the end consumer to be getting, you know, those doses of microtoxins or pesticides or whatever they might be. And we don't really have the data to even show how those change under combustion. Um, so there's not enough data to show which pesticides and fungicides are even safe to be used on cannabis. So I'm, I'm really a proponent of sourcing uh, organic and, of course, when you can, regeneratively grown hemp and uh, cannabis-based products. In a buyer beware world, you could be uh, ingesting something full of toxins and not know it for a long time, right? So as we march towards hopefully some kind of federal legalization, are you hopeful that there'll be regulation and kind of standardized testing protocols and that sort of thing? Well, that's the double-edged sword, Tom. We know what happens when government gets involved. Um, I'm actually I'm actually a fan and a proponent of um, of industry regulation and industry certifications because I don't really have faith in the federal regulatory uh, system. Uh, we saw it under the USDA standards for food, where they really rolled back what meant to be organic. You can use a certain amount of chemical-based uh, products to even still get an organic certification. Uh, our government moves at such a slow level, actually seeing them stepping up to get the data on what those what might be safe. Uh, you know, we have an EPA that's not really working for us at the moment. So, um, my hope is that we have the industry step in 
and create certifications and that, um, you know, we become peer reviewed, uh, consumer reviewed, but really when you, when you're looking at it from an agriculture perspective, you have to have someone that knows agronomy that can do soil tests that can test for heavy metals. And that's really where an industry standard and, and peer reviewed, uh, certifications would come in. So like a good housekeeping seal or some kind of a coalition that would get together and, and say that this is a clean product. Absolutely. Or a nonprofit, you know, a nonprofit entity that can step in and take on some of that role and uh, certify products and farms and growers. So that that's my hope. And I'm sure it's happening um, at a smaller level. But um, as we grow our, our number of states that are medical and, and recreational, I think someone will step into that. And I hope it's sooner than later because it's, it's a much needed service. You know, you certainly know that territory very well. Yeah. Again, you know, being a farmer now for in Hawaii for 13 years, my interest has been uh, diversified agriculture. So cannabis has just been a fraction of my interest. But, uh, you know, I raise, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I raise milking goats and milking sheep. I have chickens and ducks. I have about 150 uh, macadamia nut trees and, uh, you know, about 100 fruit trees. So diversified agriculture is the way of the future. And that's another thing I'm, I'm really hoping is that as we move into a more availability of cannabis-based products, we don't move toward the failed system of a monoculture, that we move towards the successful systems of indigenous agriculture where we can incorporate cannabis into diversified agriculture and uh, have it be a part of uh, a more sustainable and regenerative system. Hey, how big is your farm when you have all, all of these uh, animals and crops? It must be quite an operation. <laughs> It's a little bit more involved than um, I would ideally have at the moment with everything else that's going on. But I'm on seven and a half acres. And so Honau Now Farm um, is, is a community. Uh, it's a retreat center. It's uh, where I base my business out of. I have an office and a production center in Kailua, Kona, where we do our CBD products. But uh, the farm is where I grow some of the turmeric and the passion vine and the comfrey and the plantain. All of those additional botanicals that end up in the mana artisan botanic products uh, are very much uh, ideally sourced from the Honau Now Farm. Wow. How do you formulate those uh, those products? Um, and talk about some of the ingredients that you just mentioned that go into those. Yeah. So, you know, having started uh, Hawaii's first CBD business uh, three to four years ago, um, I was inspired by the diversity that's here, you know, and uh, it was clear that CBD had a major impact on so many different aspects of health with the endocannabinoid system and the CB1 and CB2 receptors that uh, my mind just went to what other botanicals can support that type of action in the body. And, uh, you know, turmeric rose to the list very quickly. Turmeric is uh, the widely, most widely studied plant medicine on the planet, over 7,000 peer-reviewed studies, already scientifically proven to be more effective than 14 uh, Western pharmaceutical drugs, So, and an amazing anti-inflammatory. So it was really clear, why not put two amazing plants together and see what happens? And uh, we got tremendous results. Uh, and it was our intuition that somehow there was a synergy there, that the uh, turmeric was synergizing the CBD and vice versa. And uh, I was at a, uh, a recent conference in Oahu where um, uh, the gentleman who started uh, Project CBD. Um, Martin Lee? Yes, Lee. Uh, did a great presentation. And one of his slides was on turmeric. And the science now shows that turmeric helps potentialize and prep and prime the uh, cannabinoid receptors in the, in the endocannabinoid system. So we were right on with our intuition, and now we have some science that backs how turmeric really does increase the bioavailability of, of the cannabinoids. So 
that was a, a really great combination that's proved very well for us. It's become one of our best-selling products. Uh, we don't do just tinctures, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning of the, the podcast, but uh, we do oils. So we're basing our turmeric and CBD combo in a macadamia nut oil. So again, one of the things we wanted to do was highlight Hawaiian agriculture and, and bring in products that I could stand behind, that I can say, I know these are regenerative ingredients because I know the farmers, I know their practices, I know their farms. Um, and so I basically have control of uh, you know 90 to 95% of my supply chain with personal relationships. And so the macadamia nut oil is a really great base. It has its own you know great qualities. And then the turmeric, uh, along with the CBD, and then that vanilla you mentioned. So I source our vanilla from Big Island Vanilla Bean uh, Company here, and it just adds to that smooth, wonderful, delicious taste. So uh, I have a wonderful herbalist on my uh, on my team. Her name's Shamir Britt. She fine tuned these uh, products, and is re- I really have all my gratitude goes to her as far as the delicious taste that um, we're becoming very well known for and. Uh, we're hoping to enter our products into some of these competitions because we really believe we've got the best tasting products in the industry. Anything from Hawaii seems to have a certain cachet among consumers too. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the benefits. Um, you know, Hawaii has this perception of health and wellness, which we're very much, uh, you know, working with and promoting because, you know, being out here in the middle of the Pacific, one of the remote, uh, most remote land, pla- uh, land masses in the entire world, We've got some advantages to producing really high-end products, and of course, the sun and the soil and the volcanic nature of our uh, of our land here all add to the really great branding of of Hawaiian agriculture products. So, uh, we're really grateful that that's where we ended up, and that's where we are as CBD really started to emerge. And it really, I think, gives us um, a, a direct emotional connection to a lot of people who have come and had really great experiences in Hawaii and realize that. There's this lush uh, component to anything that comes out of Hawaii. And certainly, um, you know, we believe we're producing a really high quality product with high quality ingredients. And that's um, being in Hawaii allows us to have that option to directly source some of these um, additional botanicals that go into the products. I mentioned turmeric. Passion vine is another one that we use off of Honau Now Farm. Uh, That's in our sleep tincture and it's been used for eons for nerve and anxiety issues. It's um, used for deeper sleep. And so that's a really great combo. And then we add the plantain and the comfrey into our salve, which is our second best selling product behind the, uh, the turmeric oils. And uh, that really does some amazing things for folks, both on the topical level with eczema and psoriasis, but also, um, you know, the localized pain relief and anti-inflammatory effects for uh, arthritis and different things like that. And you really are just getting going. I, I think you mentioned at the top that, did you say only about a year so far? Yeah. Mana and its uh, Mana Botanics and its current incarnation is just a little over a year. So we're pretty happy with where we're at and uh, some of the, the press we've gotten in the last year. And we're, we expect actually our next article to be coming out just in the next couple of weeks in the uh, Hawaiian Airlines magazine. So we're, we're excited about... Um, being on the forefront here in Hawaii with the industry and the, uh, the attention we're getting due to not just the, um, you know, being Hawaii and being kind of first out of the gates, but also really paying attention to what this can do for Hawaiian agriculture in general and, uh, and the revitalization of some of the small scale farms here in Hawaii. You know, it's a fantastic product. And when people come and visit, they have something uh, they can take back with them and a little piece of Hawaii and uh, they can continue to get it once they're back in the States. 
Yeah, that's the hope. Exactly. They get turned on here and uh, and then uh, take it home and continue to stay and turn on their other, others in, in their circles. Thank you for uh, taking the time to explain to us what you're doing there. Again, it's a fantastic product and uh, we look forward to supporting you as you go and uh, letting people know about it. And uh, we'll be watching with a lot of interest. We've really enjoyed the product and are happy to let other people know about it. Great, Tom. I really appreciate the, uh, the feedback and the opportunity to be with you today. Thank you, Steve. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast with Thomas J. For more on medicinal cannabis for baby boomers, visit us at cannaboomers.com.